Welcome to JFK and the Enduring Secret. I'm your host, Jeff Crudell. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is episode 101. It's a continuation of sorts of the entire initial series on Lee Harvey Oswald. In today's episode, we cover the second radio interview that occurred on August 21st, 1963. So, without further ado, let's listen to episode 101 of JFK, The Enduring Secret. Conversation carte blanche. Next on Cavalcade. It's time now for Conversation carte blanche. Here is Bill Slatter. Good evening. For the next few minutes, Bill Stuckey and I, Bill, whose uh, program you probably heard on Saturday night, uh, Latin Listening Post, Bill and I are going to be talking with three gentlemen, uh, uh, the subject mainly revolving around Cuba. Our guests tonight are Lee Harvey Oswald, who is secretary of the New Orleans chapter of the Fair Play for Cuba Committee. That's a New York headquartered organization, which is generally recognized as the principal voice of the Castro government in this country. Uh, Our second guest is Ed Butler, who is executive director of the Information Council of the Americas, which is headquartered in New Orleans and specializes in distributing anti-communist educational materials throughout Latin America. And our third guest is Carlos Bringier, a Cuban refugee and New Orleans delegate of the Revolutionary Student Directorate, one of the more active of the anti-Castro refugee organizations. Uh, Bill, at this this time, if you'll uh, briefly background the situation as you know it. Thank you, Bill. Uh, First, for those who don't know uh, too much about the background of the Fair Play for Cuba Committee, this is an organization that uh, specializes primarily in distributing literature and based in New York. For the several years in which this has been in existence, um, it has uh, operated principally out of the East and out of the West Coast and a few college campuses. Recently, however, um, attempts have been made to organize a chapter here in New Orleans. Uh, the only member of the group who have revealed himself publicly so far is 23-year-old Lee Harvey Oswald, who is the secretary of the local chapter of the Fair Play for Cuba Committee. He first came to public notice several days ago when he was arrested and convicted for disturbing the peace. The ruckus ruckus in which he was involved started when several local Cuban refugees, including Carlos Bringuer, who is with us tonight, discovered him uh, distributing pro-Castro literature on a downtown street. And Mr. Oswald and Bringuer are here with us tonight to give us opposing views on the Fair Play for Cuba Committee and its objectives. I believe that I was probably the first New uh, New Orleans reporter to interview Mr. Oswald on his activities here uh, since he first uh, came into public view. Last Saturday, uh, in addition to having him on my show, uh, we had a very long and rambling uh, question and answer session over various uh, points of dogma and uh, line of the Fair Play for Cuba Committee. And uh, now I'll give you a a very brief digest of some of the principal... Propaganda lines, I use the word propaganda is uh, rather, I should say, informational lines 
uh, of the Fair Play for Cuba Committee. Number one, the principal thing that uh, they insist is that Castro's government today is completely free and independent and is in no way controlled by the Soviet Union. Another cardinal point of the Fair Play for Cuba Committee's propaganda is that uh, uh, Premier Castro was forced to seek aid from the Russians only because the United States government refused to offer him financial aid. And following another line, I asked Mr. Oswald if he had ever or was a member of the American Communist Party, and he said that the only organization to which he belonged was the Fair Play for Cuba Committee. Mr. Oswald also gave me this uh, rundown on his personal background. He said that he was a native of New Orleans, had attended Beauregard Junior High School and Warren Eastern High School, had uh, entered the U.S. Marine Corps in 1956, and was honorably discharged in 1959. He said uh, during our previous interview that he had lived in Fort Worth, Texas, before coming here to establish a Fair Play for Cuba chapter several weeks ago. However, there, was, uh, there were a few items, apparently, that uh, I suspect that Mr. Oswald left out of this original interview, which was... Uh, principally uh, where he lived after between 1959 and 1962. Um, we, uh, Mr. Butler, brought uh, some newspaper clippings to my attention, and I also found some through an independent uh, investigation, uh, Washington newspaper clippings, to the effect that Mr. Oswald had attempted to renounce his American citizenship in 1959 and become a Soviet citizen. Uh, there was another clipping dated 1952 saying that uh, uh, Mr. Oswald had returned from the Soviet Union with his wife and child after having lived there for three years. Mr. Oswald, are these correct? That is uh, correct, yes. You did live in Russia for three years? That is correct, and I think those, uh, the fact that I did uh, live for a time in the Soviet Union gives me excellent qualifications to uh, repudiate charges that Cuba and the Fair Play for Cuba Committee is communist controlled. Mr. Brigier, perhaps you would like to dispute that point. Well, I want to know exactly the name of the organization that you represent here in the city, because I have some confusion. Is Fair Play for Cuba Committee or Fair Play for Russia Committee? Well, that is, of course, very provocative and a uh, uh, question. I don't think it, it requires an answer. Well, I will tell you why. Because before the communists take over Cuba, Cuba was at the head of the Latin American countries, and I can show you that in Cuba, in 1958, every 37 persons had an automobile, and in Russia, was 200 persons for one automobile. In Cuba, was six persons for one radio, and in Russia, was 20 persons for one radio. In Cuba, was one television set for 18 persons, and in Russia, was 85 persons for one television set, and in Cuba, was one telephone for every 38 persons, and in Russia was one telephone for every 580 persons. Cuba was selling the sugar, the sugar in the American market and was receiving from the United States more than $100 million a year over the price of the world market, and the United States was paying to Cuba that price in dollars. Right now, Cuba is selling the sugar to Russia. Russia is paying to Cuba 80% in junks, in machinery from Russia, and 20% in dollar. I think that Cuba right now is a colony of Russia, and the people of Cuba who is living in Cuba every day, who is escaping from Cuba every day, 
they disagree with you that you are representing the people of Cuba. Maybe you will represent the, uh, the colony of Russia here in this moment, but not the people of Cuba. You cannot take that uh, responsibility. Well, in order to give a clear and concise and short answer to each of those, uh, uh, well, let's say questions, I would say that the facts and figures from a lower country like Pakistan or Burma would even uh, reflect more uh, uh, light upon Cuba in relation to how many, uh, how many television sets and how many radios and all that. Uh, this, I do not think, is a, um, a subject to be discussed tonight. Uh, the Fair Play for Cuba Committee, as the name implies, is uh, concerned primarily with Cuban-American relations. How many uh, people do you have in your committee here in New Orleans? Uh, I cannot reveal that as secretary of the uh, Fair Play for Cuba Committee. Is it a secret society? Uh, no, Mr. Butler, it is not. However, it is a, a standard operating procedure uh, for a political organization consisting of a uh, political minority uh, to safeguard the names and the number of its members. Well, the Republicans are in the minority. I don't see them hiding their membership. The Republicans are not a, uh, well, <laughs> the Republicans uh, are a established political party representing a great many people. They represent no radical point of view. They do not have a very violent and sometimes emotional opposition as we do. No, oh, I see. Well, would you say then that uh, the Fair Play for Cuba Committee is not a communist front organization? Uh, the Senate subcommittees who have occupied themselves with uh, uh, investigating the Fair Play for Cuba Committee uh, have found that there is nothing to connect the two committees. We have been investigated from uh, several points of view, that is, points of view of uh, taxes, allegiance, aversion, and so forth. The findings... Uh, have been, as I say, absolutely zero. Well, I have a, the Senate hearings before me, and I think what I have in front of me refutes precisely every statement that you just made. For instance, who is the honorary chairman of the Fair Play for Cuba Committee? Uh, the honorary chairman of this committee, uh, the name of that person, uh, I certainly don't know. Well, let me tell you, in case you don't know about your own organization. No, I know about it. His name is Waldo Frank, and I'm quoting from the New Masses of September 1932. The title of his article is How I Came to Communism, a Symposium, by Waldo Frank, Where I Stand and How I Got There. Uh, now, let me ask you a second question. Who is the secretary of the Fair Play for Cuba Committee, the national secretary? Well, we have a national director who is Mr. V.T. Lee, who has recently uh, returned from Cuba. And because of the uh, fact that the United States government has imposed restrictions on travel to Cuba, he is now under indictment for his traveling to Cuba. Uh, this, however, it's very convenient for uh, rightist organizations to uh, drag out this or that literature purporting to show a fact which has not been established in law. I have said that uh, the Fair Play uh, for Cuba Committee has definitely been investigated. That is very true. Mm -hmm. uh, I have also said that the total result of that uh, uh, investigation was zero. That is, the Fair Play for Cuba Committee is not now on the Attorney General's subversive list. Any other uh, material you may have is a uh, superfluous. Uh, Mr. Oswald, I may break in a moment. Uh, uh, I believe it was mentioned that you at one time asked to renounce your American citizenship and become a, a citizen of the Soviet Union. Is that correct? Well, I don't think that has a particular uh, uh, import to this discussion. We are discussing uh, Cuban-American relations. Well, no, it, I think it has a bearing to this uh, extent, Mr. Oswald. You say, apparently, that Cuba is not dominated by Russia. 
And yet uh, you apparently, by your own past actions, have shown that you have an affinity for Russia and perhaps communism, although I don't know that you admit that you either are a communist or have been. Uh, could you straighten out that point? Are you or have you been a communist? Well, I had answered that uh, uh, prior to this program on another radio program. Are you a Marxist? Uh, yes, I am a Marxist. What's the difference? Well, the difference is uh, primarily the difference between a country like Ghana, Guyana, Yugoslavia, uh, China, or Russia. Uh, very, very great differences. Differences which we uh, appreciate by giving aid, let's say, to uh, Yugoslavia in the sum of a uh, hundred million or so dollars per That's year. Extraneous. What's the difference? The difference is, uh, is, as I said, a very great difference. Uh, many parties, many uh, countries are based on Marxism. Uh, many countries, such as Great Britain, display very socialistic uh, aspects and characteristics. I might point to the socialized medicine of Britain. Gentlemen, I'll have to interrupt. Uh, we'll be back in a moment to continue this rather lively discussion after this message. And now back to conversation carte blanche. Here again, Bill Slutter. Tonight, Bill Stuckey and I are talking with three guests, Lee Harvey Oswald, who is uh, local secretary of a group called Fair Play for Cuba, and with Ed Butler, the executive director of the Information Council of the Americas, and Carlos Bringer, a Cuban refugee, and uh, uh, obviously Andy Castro. Uh, Mr. Oswald, as you might imagine, is on the hot seat tonight, and I believe, Bill Stuckey, you have a question for him. Uh, Mr. Oswald, I believe you said in reply to a question from Mr. Butler that uh, any questions about your background were extraneous to the discussion tonight. I disagree because of the fact that you refused to reveal any of the other members of your organization, so you are the face of the Fair Play for Cuba Committee in New Orleans. Therefore, anybody who might be interested in this organization ought to know more about you. For this reason, I'm curious to know just how you supported yourself during the three years that you lived in the Soviet Union. Did you have a government subsidy? Uh, well, as I, uh, uh, well, I will answer that que uh, that uh, question directly then, uh, since uh, uh, you will not rest until you get your answer. Uh, I worked in Russia. Uh, I was under uh, the protection of the, uh, of the, uh, I was, that is to say, I was not under the protection of the uh, American government, but that is I was uh, at all times uh, considered an American citizen. I did not uh, lose my... Uh, American citizenship. Did you say you wanted to at one point, though, or what happened? Well, it's a, a long, drawn-out uh, situation in which permission to live in the Soviet Union granted to a foreign resident is very rarely given. Uh, this this requires a certain amount of technicalities, uh, uh, technical papers, and so forth. Uh, at no time, as I say, was I uh, did I renounce my citizenship or attempt to renounce my citizenship, and at no time was I out of contact or... Uh, with the uh, American Embassy. Uh, that, uh, Excuse me, may I interrupt just one second? Uh, either one of these two statements is wrong. The Washington Evening Star of October 31st, 1959, page 1, reported that Lee Harvey Oswald, a former Marine of 4936 Collingwood Street, Fort Worth, Texas, had turned in his passport at the American Embassy in Moscow on that same date and had said that he had applied for Soviet citizenship. Now, this seems to me that you've renounced your American citizenship if you've turned in your passport. Well, the very obvious answer to that is that I'm back in the United States. A person who renounces his citizenship, 
citizenship becomes legally uh, disqualified for returning to the United States. Right. And Soviet authorities, this is from the Washington Post and Times Herald of November 16, 1959, Soviet authorities had refused to grant it, although they had informed him that he could live in Russia as a resident alien. What did you do during the two weeks from October 31st to November 16, 1959? As I've already stated, of course, this is a whole conversation and we don't have too much time left is getting away from the Cuban-American problem. Uh, however, I'm quite willing to discuss myself for the remainder of this uh, program. Uh, as I have sta stated, it is very difficult for a resident, uh, for a foreigner to, to get permission to reside in the Soviet Union. Uh, during those two weeks and during the date that you mentioned, I was, of course, uh, uh, with the knowledge of the American Embassy getting this permission. Were you having a building at 11 Kuznetskaya Street in Moscow? Kuznetskaya? Mm -hmm. uh, Kuznetskaya is the, uh, well, that would be uh, probably the foreign ministry, I assume. Uh, no, I was never in that uh, place, although I know Moscow, having lived there. Mr. Uh, Bonner, know, let, me, let, let me interrupt it. I think uh, Mr. Oswald is right to this extent. We should get around to Surely. the organization which... Uh, he is the head of here in New Orleans, Fair Play for Cuba. Committee. Fair Play for Cuba Committee. As, as a practical matter, Mr. Oswald, uh, knowing, as you, I'm sure you do, the sentiment in America against Cuba, we, of course, severed diplomatic relations some time ago. Uh, I, I would say Castro is about as unpopular as anybody in the world in this country. As a practical matter, what do you hope to gain through your work uh, how do you hope to bring about what you call fair play for Cuba, knowing the sentiment? The principles of the fair play for Cuba uh, consist of uh, restoration of diplomatic trade and tourist uh, relations with Cuba. That is one of our main points. Uh, we are for that. I disagree that uh, this, uh, this uh, situation regarding American-Cuban relations is uh, very unpopular. We are in a minority, surely. Uh, we are, however, not particularly interested in what Cuban exiles or rightist uh, uh, members of uh, rightist organizations have to say. We are primarily interested in the attitude of the United States government toward Cuba. And in that uh, way, we are striving to get the United States to adopt measures which would be more friendly toward uh, the Cuban people and the new Cuban regime in, in, uh, in that uh, country. Uh, we are not uh, at all uh, communist-controlled, regardless of the fact that I have the experience of living in Russia, uh, regardless of the fact that uh, uh, we have been investigated, uh, regardless of any of those facts. Uh, the Fair Play for Cuba Committee is an independent organization, not affiliated with any other organization. Our aims and our ideals are very clear and in the best keeping with American traditions of democracy. Do you agree? with uh, Fidel Castro when he, in his last speech of July 26th of this year, he qualified President John Fitzgerald Kennedy of the United States as a ruffian and a thief. Do you agree with uh, Mr. Castro? I would, not agree. I would not agree with that uh, particular wording. However, I and the uh, Fair Play for Cuba Committee does think that the United States government, through certain agencies, namely the State Department, and the CIA has made monumental mistakes in its relations with Cuba, mistakes which are pushing Cuba into the sphere of activity of, let's say, a very dogmatic communist country as China is. Mr. Oswald, uh, would you agree that when Castro first took power, uh, would you agree that the United States was very friendly with Castro, that the people of this country had nothing but admiration for him, that uh, they were very glad to see Batista thrown out? 
I would say that the activities of the United States government in regard to Batista were a manifestation of not so much support for, uh, for uh, Fidel Castro, but rather uh, a withdrawal of support from Batista. In other words, uh, we stopped armaments to Batista. What we should have done was to take those armaments and drop them into the say, Sierra Maestre, where Fidel Castro could have used them. As for public uh, sentiment at that time, I think uh, even at that time, even before the revolution, there were rumblings of uh, official comment and so forth from government officials uh, against Fidel Castro. You, you've never been to Cuba, of course, but why are the people in Cuba starving today? Well, in any country uh, emerging from a semi-colonial state and embarking upon reforms, which, uh, which require a diversification of agriculture, uh, you're going to have shortages. After all, 80% of imports into the United States uh, from Cuba were two products, uh, tobacco and sugar. Uh, nowadays, uh, while, the, uh, Cuba is, uh, while Cuba is reducing its product as far as uh, sugarcane goes, it is uh, striving to grow un unlimited and unheard of uh, for Cuba quantities of uh, certain vegetables, sweet potatoes, lima beans, cotton, and so forth, so that they can become agriculturally independent. John, I'm going to have to interrupt. Yeah. Our time is almost up. Uh, we've had three guests tonight on Conversation Carte Blanche. Bill Stuckey and I have been talking with Lee Harvey Oswald, Secretary of the New Orleans Chapter of the Fair Play for Cuba Committee, Ed Butler, Executive Director of the Information Council of the Americas, and Carlos Bringier, a Cuban refugee. Thank you very much, and good evening. Thank you for listening to episode 101 of JFK, The Enduring Secret.